Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. By the way, I look at all the ladies out here in red and I asked Simon if uh, it was because Texas Tech's victory and he said, no, that's not it. I'll take what I can get. I love it though. Our focus today is on the gospel reading. Today's gospel reading is another parable where Jesus is emphasizing a point with a compare and contrast story, two extremes. And this is just like he did in last week's gospel. But this week he's focusing on our hearts. And I have to tell you all this, when you're reading the New Testament and Jesus is telling a parable, it's time to hold on to something. Things are about to get uncomfortable. The heart is the center of our spiritual being. Jesus told us in his great commandment that you must love the Lord with all your love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. In Matthew 5:8 it tells us that blessed be the pure of heart for they shall see God. The heart is one of the most talked about parts of the body in the entire Bible. But do we really understand the heart that's being referred to? So, by the way, to keep the sermon time reasonable, I went ahead and put an outline of the verses that I'm going to be referencing. So you can look at them later. I don't want to waste the time. That's not a waste, by the way, but I'm trying to, trying to respect your time. <clears throat> I know Henry's going to talk to me about that one later. <laughs> one of the things I want to point out in understanding our gospel reading today we have two different views of Pharisees and tax collectors, and it gets a little confusing. In Jesus' day, the concept of a Pharisee and a tax collector was different than what we have today. So using a little bit of preaching license, I want to try to paint a picture to give you all an idea of what those two look like in a modern context. Today, though, when we view a Pharisee, because of the filter that we're using through church, we see um, manipulative, greedy, legalistic, works-oriented. It's kind of a negative connotation, wouldn't you say? It is. But in those days, these were the community leaders, the theologians. These were the people that um, everybody looked up to, highly respected. Now, there were a few bad actors, and a lot of them are referenced in the New Testament, but there were some Pharisees who actually listened to Jesus' teachings and followed him. Tax collector, we do have, yeah, let's face it, we got a negative connotation today. But it's nothing like in Jesus' time. In Jesus' time, tax collectors were absolutely despised. These people were collaborators. Now, to give you the depth of meaning of that word, the French kind of adopted that meaning in World War II to refer to the leaders that were working with the Nazis. That was the level of hate at the time. So I'll give you a vision. When you go to MCAD, whenever you're going to pay your property taxes this year, and you're standing behind the, and you, you write your check for, let's say, it's $4,000, and the tax agent goes, no, 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 you owe eight. And if you don't pay it, I'm going to put you in prison. That's a tax collector of that day. 
So in this, we're comparing successful leaders in scions of society to outcasts of society. Now, I'm going to use a couple of uh, fictional characters in this conversation today. Samuel and Zeke. Now, I do have to tell you that initially, I was going to call the Pharisee Joe in a self-deprecating fashion until my wife pointed out that our senior warden is named Joe, and he has resembles a Pharisee in absolutely no way, shape, or form. So I said, okay, I better probably change the name. So I picked Samuel. There are no Samuels in here, I hope. So we'll just go with that. All right, I tried. I couldn't think of one. Um, by the way, Samuel and Zeke were in the same classes throughout school. Samuel, the head of the football team, the great guy everybody loved. Zeke wasn't. You know, Zeke was always in trouble. So let me use the story to tell today, or the, retell the story using this, these two characters. So Samuel walks, in, walks into church on Sunday and acknowledges the greetings from other parishioners. He enjoys being the center of attention and is always recognized during the service for an accomplishment of the church. We're in the community, giving money, time, some other organization. And he walks down to the front of the church. Others make sure they jump up and greet him. And they want to be near him because his piety is well known within the church. He sits down, and he always sits down front because his parents sit in the back. And his parents are so proud of him, and he loves to feel that pride, their pride, when he, when he walks past and goes and sits down. You get the picture. This guy wants, he's the guy we want to be. We want to be around. Very successful, friendly, loved by all. Beautiful family. That's, that's what we want. That's our goal. That's our objective. Zeke has hit bottom. A week ago, his mother finally disowned him for stealing one too many times. His girlfriend had enough of his abuse and kicked him out last night. After his girlfriend kicked him out, he got roaring drunk at a party, or at work, I'm sorry, and this happened too often, so his boss fired him. And he didn't understand why everybody was against him, why everybody hated him. He didn't know where to go. He's homeless. And he's beginning the first phases of drug withdrawals. A pariah to all who've seen him on the streets. Now I've got to ask you a question. Who is righteous and who's a sinner in this picture? Think about that. So Zeke is cold. His body's racked from pain and withdrawals. He has no hope at all. In his despair, he remembered once or when he was a child, the churches would pick him up on Sunday morning, take him to church. And his mother really liked that because he was a real pain as a kid and she got a break. But you know, there he did hear about God and forgiveness. That memory led him to the entrance of the church. And really, he had nowhere else to go. It was freezing outside and cold. So avoiding all eye contact, head down and ashamed, he walked in. So Samuel turned around and looked back. He wanted to see if the processional was about to start. And he saw Zeke in the back. And he thought to himself, what is he doing here? 
And he thought of all the blessings he had worked so hard for in his life. Things he had accomplished, all he had acquired. And it, but it was obvious from all of this that God was blessing him. Then he thought to himself, I'm glad I'm not like that low life. Zeke could not even look up. He was so ashamed. He shouldn't be there with all these holy people. He heard, he was only half listening to the service, and he was waiting for somebody to throw him out. But he heard a Bible reading that said, Jesus saves sinners. And he began to realize he was one of those. Something happened. Tears flow. And he sees himself for who he really is in God's eyes for the first time. And he recognizes his sin. As he sobbed, he thought, you know, Jesus cannot forgive me. My sins are too great. But hearing the sermon, the preacher made it clear, you cannot sin bigger than God can forgive. And he heard that. And through his tears, Zeke dropped to his knees and asked Jesus to save him. And he accepted Jesus as his Lord. So, who was righteous and who was a sinner? Who in this story has the heart for God? In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus tells us our heart reveals our true character. By the way, I don't know anybody in this church I would call a Samuel. I'll make that real clear. But I can't see your heart. God can. In Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, God tells us he does see our hearts. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. If you feel convicted, then this service is not a condemnation. It is a call to battle. We all externally would view Samuel, our Pharisee, as righteousness. He does all the right things. His works show the blessings in his life. But our Pharisee's heart is wrong. He sees all the blessings of this life as God agreeing with him. He is showing God how things should be done and counts his blessings as earned by him. The words of Jesus are always hard for those who want to do it their way. So what could have caused Samuel, our modern Pharisee's hard heart? Perhaps our Pharisee never fully embraced Christ. Sure, he did all the right things, attended the right church, went through all the rituals, you know, up and down, all that. Remember, Jesus, in Mark 8, 17 through 19, 
pointed out that his disciples had hardened their hearts. These are people that walked with Jesus, had hard hearts. Now, we're all susceptible to this. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Judas Iscariot? Or perhaps our Pharisee once had a passionate heart for God, but the constant pressure from Satan and his minions who run this world wore him down over time. Maybe it started with one questionable business deal that his partners were pushing him to accept. Then another, until as Jesus accused the Pharisees, he was stealing widows' houses. As with all sin, it's not Satan tempting us. It's our openness to Satan that causes us to fall. I'm going to repeat that. As with all sin, it's not Satan tempting us. It's our openness to Satan that causes us to fall. Let's face it. Zeke is a vile person, abusive, criminal, an addict. He's led a life of sin from a childhood. This is not somebody you're going to invite over for Christmas dinner. But in the end, Zeke, our tax collector's heart is right when he chooses to open his heart to God. Now, I've got a good word for you today. Grace. In Genesis 8.21, God tells us our hearts are naturally wicked. In Ezekiel 36, it's pointed out that God can give you a new heart. Without the grace of God, we could never have a heart for Him. When we desire change, God will change your heart. And God promises to save us through His grace when we turn to Him. Romans 10.9 tells us, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. God, through His grace, desires a relationship with you. A deep, passionate relationship. He wants your heart open to Him. Not because of what you can do for Him, but simply because He loves you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.